Hi, I'm Sam McNally. This is the Humanzi Jitsu Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 95 of the Humanzi Jitsu Podcast. Guys, I'm joined by Sam McNally today. Guys, Sam is a black belt out of East Coast Jiu-Jitsu. And guys, he, he's literally, we had literally talked to him immediately after he won, uh, won at Grappin Industries Manchester. So like, he literally just won. I was like, oh yeah, let's do a podcast. <laughs> and guys, we had a great conversation about our different ways of training, different ways of bringing people up, getting them on, on uh know like training up new people specifically and uh, a lot of competition prep <laughs> so guys with that said i'll leave it uh, leave you off with uh, the episode there thanks so sam uh thanks for coming on the show man how's it going good thank you for hosting me over the internet thanks for saying yes man because like uh, i've been having a real struggle trying to get guests lately like uh what's it i don't know why maybe it's my charming personality but like i know i hit up people but to be fair time zones are a huge factor i don't know if you've ever been on another podcast where they're in a different time zone you have to stay up till two in the morning to talk to them no not yet <laughs> not well, yet I imagine, that, I imagine at the moment people are probably sick of doing uh video calls so <laughs> <laughs> I fucking know I am. I went and done this college course there about like, uh, you know, or like late last year. And it was it was like a, a physical therapy sort of thing, but it was all online. I'm like, they're sort of missing the point about physical therapy. I'm like, yeah. bro. <laughs> virtual physical therapy. A virtual therapy. I'm like, just go to psychiatry or some shit, man. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Sam, before I get into it, man, I want to say congrats on your decent performance there yesterday at Grappling Industries Manchester. How'd uh, how'd you feel it went, man? Like, uh, what was your favorite thing you hit, hit that day? Like submission wise, takedown wise, or sweep wise? Like, what was your highlight uh, highlight of the day yesterday? Um, I'd say my highlight was just getting to compete because it's been so long. Like the last competition I did was in March 2020. Like literally the week of the coronavirus, I was in London competing. And there was like no one at the tournament. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I haven't competed in ages. So, to be honest, uh, like the highlight was literally just to be able to share the maths with people and the buzz tournaments and like, you know, just all of the the bits of it of like, you know, getting to fight. But as well as that, just bit, hanging out in a venue with a kind of a low murmur of people, everyone watching mm-hmm. jiu and then like screaming and, and uh, getting to have like opponents to, you know, fight and, and you know, share the experience with and teammates and stuff so uh it was really really nice i thought very yeah. grateful uh, that's that's one of the things people miss the most and not even just oh yeah i'm gonna go beat someone up for a five-year-old medal whatever it's just like getting to hang out with the boys have the crack and a bit of strangulation is an added extra everyone's happy there yeah uh yeah yeah and like you take i feel like i take for granted so <laughs> easily you know just from previously being able to travel all the time like i could travel like every week or two to go to a tournament and there'd always be people to fight and there'd always be you know another tournament to do and there'd always be a goal in the future of like the next tournament to do whereas when that wasn't the case it was like just sitting here rocking my head back and forth being like what am i to do now but uh, uh you could have saved no. yourself some time man with just getting a rocking chair then you wouldn't have to rock yourself back and forward man you know a bit, bit of practicality these are considerations uh, sometimes to sit on a swing it would be you know ah uh, yeah I see. I, I don't like swings, man. They're never inside unless there's some weird sex swings. But the outdoor ones are it's always either windy or rain in here. So using them outside is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I think that was the most pointless uh, sidetrack ever. Uh, so Sam, like the first, one thing I'm curious about each of my guests is how you first got started in jiu-jitsu. Did you train anything else before starting it, or did you just start with jiu-jitsu? I just started, well, I, I did judo in school in fourth year, like in transition year, uh, when I was 16 for a little while. I liked doing that. I wanted to do more, but there was no judo near, near where I lived, or those very accessible. So then I found jiu-jitsu and uh, went training and then just kept training and didn't do much else to be honest so mm. oh man see that's one thing like uh, th- that like one some of my friends have a very similar story with the whole, whole see they were in fourth year and there's a judo black belt who trains us oh, sorry sorry yeah. doors, be, doors being a heap of shit but there was a judo black belt who trains us he'd go to their school and teach them judo for a pe class i'm like Fuck soccer, man. That's what you want to fucking be teaching people. Like, teach them fucking wrestling, judo, and boxing, and, ju- and shit like that. Teach them how to fucking do, do, do shit like that. You know, because, like... Oh, not to mention... Sorry, I got into sidetrack there. But, like, uh, your man is, like... These two guys I, I train with, they're my... You know, they're all, like... Um, oh, yeah, we want to do more of this. Is there any judo around? It's like, oh, no, man, there's no judo, but uh, I do jiu-jitsu at this one gym over there. You should go do that. They started doing that. They've been doing it for, like, fucking five or so years now, all because your man was teaching them when they were in school. Who would have thunk that if you get skin started young, they might do it? <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful. And it was funny, when I was in school, like, nobody liked doing the judo classes, really. Like, it was, like people, they're always like, this is ridiculous. Like, you could, don't like you know, throwing people on their heads? And, and yeah. then pinning them and then choking them? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just loved it anyways. And then I was like, ah, if I could do more of this, I'd be happy to. But obviously, uh, there was no uh, facility for close to me. But the jiu-jitsu, yes, it's, it's pretty good. And I'm, I'm grateful that uh, that I got it anyways. Mm. Oh, man, I'm pure sickened as well. There's like no judo. There's, there's a judo gym nearby me. But it's nearby in air quotes. It's not that far away, but it's all on fucking back ass country roads and big ass detours. I'm like, that may be near, like kilometer wise, but it's not like near practical wise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's always, <laughs> that's always a big asterisk when you need to put something near near. <laughs> uh, so Sam, like, what's your preference? Like uh, when you're training, do you prefer gi or no gi? This is the big spirited, this is the big spirited debate everyone has. Which yeah. is better, you know? What I mean, it's one of those salient questions about who's better. <laughs> I, I wait for uh, training in the gi, but I still do no gi. So I like to no gi too. Um, yeah, I wait for the gi. At the moment, I'm training a fair bit of no gi because I'm trying to qualify for the ADCC in September. Um, mm. So doing a fair bit of no gi now. But generally speaking, I much prefer training the gi, and I much prefer uh, competing in the gi as well. That, that's where my main focus lies. Mm. Uh, so man like what are you gonna head over to poland in like uh december and sh- do the trials over there yeah uh, 18th of september so nice so, man, yeah. that'd be, uh, well man uh, i know some people be rooting for you because well not just some a whole lot of people because you guys have a huge ass fucking team <laughs> yeah well hopefully it'd be nice if uh if a few of us qualified it'd be pretty cool to have a an irish squad of of hc athletes yeah, be about be about fucking time. Because <laughs> yeah. man, the fucking Danaher guys have two squads now. Because I don't I don't believe the whole oh the band is breaking up now bullshit. I just think it's a I just think it's a front so they can get more people in their brackets or ADCC. Because you know yeah. they're technically on two different teams so they can have more than two people in the brackets. So I'm like that's just a fucking racket. Go out of you. It could be yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to speculate, but it's 
Yeah, no, that, that's what I think. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, it's like when the Beatles broke up and shit. Like, okay, okay, they're gonna, they're, they're, they're gonna get back together after ADCC. Just you fucking watch. Like, go away. I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you, it'll be some hubbub. Like, yeah, guys, we patched it up. We're all best buddies again, <laughs> or something stupid like that. It's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Sam, like, what's your preference when you're like um, for your takedown game? Do you have a more of a judo-based takedown since you've done judo, or do you just do more wrestling-based takedowns now? What, what's your sort of preference? Um, oh, I try to combine them both. To be honest, I'm putting a lot of kind of mental effort into figuring out how to uh, <laughs> optimize taking people down. You know, like because um, yeah, it is a lot of effort, and most tournaments they don't like they give you points, but it's not like a whole lot of points that you've exerted. You, you've, you've exerted yourself a whole lot to get like yeah. very little reward. I'm like, ah, fuck it, just pull guard and sweep. That's yeah, I kind of feel that way as well. It's I I think so. Like if you watch like really good wrestlers, or if you ever train with someone who's good at wrestling. They can put a pace on you and tire you out without them using very much energy. But it's and like and I feel like I can do that doing jiu-jitsu, like trying to pass guard or even playing guard. But uh, to learn how to do that or to kind of train that specific mode of being able to force someone to exert a lot of energy from the feet without you exerting a lot of energy is difficult. So um, yeah, I like I, I do like uh, judo a lot. Like I like trying to use those takedowns now. As far as being technical at them i don't know if i could call myself necessarily the most the, the greatest technician of, of throws and whatnot and um, but yeah i don't know i feel like for jiu-jitsu it's, it's not either or it's it's a it's a combination of both and submissions as well it's it's i don't know the more i think about it it's a lot more complicated than people traditionally uh, talk about it you know they talk about wrestling techniques they talk about judo techniques and they talk about submissions individually but when you look at like good uh, takedown artists or people who are very good on the feet they have a combination of all three factors together and also they kind of they tie it in with their uh with their guard and their passing as well mm. quite well you know like some people i've heard like the description of say like marcelo garcia back in the day when he was fighting the agency and he was playing x guard it was like you know he played x guard like a wrestler would shoot you know it's like it was just a means by which to get into a position to take someone down from uh kind of in a more alternative route mm. so that's kind of how I try to think about it, and that's a lot of what I'm putting my energy towards. <laughs> now that's a good way to put it, man. And since you like you brought up the pace sort of thing when you're trying to exhaust people, there's one little aspect of my game where I've been able to do that. Like, do you ever see like uh, <clears throat> oh, sorry, the Daisy Fresh crew, like Andrew Wilsey and Co. Like they're a bunch of fucking maniacs. Like I was watching a few, like I watch a few instructions, see if I can gleam because. God damn. Sorry, guys. See if I can glean one bit of information that like change my perspective on a certain position. And the way they sort of made me uh, rethink my strategy with guard passing, particularly in the gi, because no gi guard passing, just, okay, throw the legs out of the way or go for a leg lock, grand, whatever. But like the way he's like, he's like, don't ever settle for a grip. And now whenever I'm rolling the gi, I never, ever, 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 ever settle for a grip and I'm just breaking grips like a fucking maniac and then grabbing grips proactively and just flinging past them and never stopping for a second because that's that's why he's, that's what he said kills your guard pass and if you just settle even for a second, they're in a guard and you're going to get swept or you have to pass the guard but in the effort and then pass. I'm like, no, fuck that, yeah. just pass. That's a, that's a mouthful, but, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of intricacies I find with... Um like when you watch jiu-jitsu, you watch techniques, they can look 
one way but then as you start to understand more and more and more there's like a lot more going on than what you think um yeah and that kind of the idea of pace is 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 a very significant one i think of understanding like what are the actual you know if you're if you're going to to try to pass someone's guard and they're good you know probably your first attempt isn't going to work maybe not your second attempt either but if you can learn how to combine the third the fourth the fifth uh pass together in a chain and a combination that's when you're going to be able to actually uh, get past and that's when you're going to be able to force the person to exert to have to defend uh and that in and of itself is like a whole you could become an expert in that let alone you know learning a specific a specific guard pass or anything i think anyway so no it's yeah. like a it's like you know if you see like a good boxer or a good striker in general they never fucking exactly. knock they never knock someone out straight away with a jab they lead into it you know throw a whole bunch of combinations then the sec to weather them down and then they hit the kill shot that's what yeah. gets to get the KO then. You know, that's it. That's the same sort of thing. As well, I think. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, that's like what looks like beautiful. Like you, you look at that and you think it's beautiful. Like you watch Muhammad Ali back in the day and the way that he fights. It's like, you know, it's not just that he's, he hits people hard. It's like there's something artistic about it that's really quite uh, creative and expressive. I think you you get those that similar type, those similar themes in, in jiu-jitsu when you have uh, proper technique. It's, it's like art mm. or something. Yeah, man, do you ever see like a really scrambly attempt at like uh, back and forth when the people are trying to pass each other's guard and do shit like that? It's fucking awesome. It's like you're, it's, you're like you're like an edge of your fucking seat when you're watching stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. entertaining. And people and people say jujitsu isn't entertaining. Like, man, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to you have to be into that type of entertainment. But yeah, definitely, I think that for sure. Um, yeah, when you watch people, yeah, like when you watch someone who's a really fluid guard passer and they look like water on top going from side to side it's it's a spectacle to behold that's you know impressive and and what i think what uh, facilitates that is is uh, uh like a deep understanding of the kind of small battles that are played in between the, the techniques the kind of strategy and concepts that are required to do that most effectively mm. now but most people aren't like like i don't want to paint a broad brush most people are just like okay uh, just get past his legs in a just weird unambiguous way like oh yeah just just get past his legs you don't have to worry about the grips or nothing just yeah just get past his legs like yeah great advice great advice great like or do you ever hear the way some people corner and some some people are fucking dreadful at corner and it's like okay i get past his legs i'm like how what fucking grips will i make (laughs) my favorite type of cornering is to say the obvious thing that the person already knows how to do and uh yeah so like when they're unhappy like okay now uh pass the guard <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I, I passed three seconds oh, ago and i've already got my points <laughs> yeah um, or the, or the yeah. second or the second they've they've gone for a submission like they're they're 40 percent of the way through get into like a foot lock and you start screaming oh foot lock oh my god get the foot lock oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's a hard game though in fairness it's not like uh supposed to be able to effectively corner someone is this is much mm. of a challenges it is to actually compete sometimes mm, oh no see like i it's like uh get this I, I know this guy who runs a thai gym he runs like a muay thai gym he's like yeah before you even before i let you hit pads you have to learn to fucking hold pads you got to learn to be a good pad man so you can be a good yeah. training partner to other people i think you should be like a fucking requirement for getting your belts that you have to be good at cornering people you know and <laughs> that's it it's just it's not even just for cornering it's just expressing information this is like Oh yeah, how do you, how do you do that pass? Like, uh, just get past his legs. Like, oh no, you grab this pant grip and you fucking do this and you do that and you swap to this one. You mean you gotta express information a bit better instead of just like, oh, no, just do it. Yeah, so, so uh, different people think differently and kind of conceptualize and express their 
techniques differently. So I suppose we can't uh, judge everyone by the same standards. But like, yeah, it is. I think it is important. That is an important part of training to, like, for sure, to be able to pass on some degree of knowledge, or at least um, even not without having to express it, like having to articulate it, be able to like train with someone and. and you know, allow or kind of give them enough resistance so that when they do the techniques, they know it's the right technique. That's mm. like an important important thing as well, I think, for just general development of of, of people. Mm. Or a really good thing we used to do back in the day was like uh, we'd have uh, what's it called, like competition rounds, or it's just two people on the match having a match and everyone's watching and shouting and screaming, yeah. uh, screaming the the fucking advice. I think that's a great thing because you know they get people more used to. Because that's like I've, the amount of like reasons I've heard for people not competing. Like I don't don't want to shit on anyone. Like some people just don't want to whatever. But like oh I'm nervous. Uh, people say I'm bad at jiu-jitsu if I lose. Like no, <laughs> uh, you know. But it will get people more used to it, in my opinion. Plus it's a it's a bit of a funny story. A bit of a sidetrack. The only time I ever was given shit off of someone for losing at a competition was by someone who barely trained and never competed. I'm like. Well, your opinion doesn't really matter, so fuck you. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that type of um, training in the gym for like that makes you exert a lot of adrenaline. Like when you have people watching, it's pretty good for for a bit of preparation for kind of what it feels like to try and do a technique on someone when you're not relaxed. <laughs> well, plus, like if someone's giving you good advice during one of those roles and you're competing, so you're like, oh yeah, dude, you gave me good advice during the role there. Could you come and corner me? Be yeah. grand out. <laughs> uh, oh speaking of competition sam like what's your preferred rule set like i know you're you, I, I know you're getting ready for trials and stuff and you'll probably be you know adapting your game to that sort of rule set but like in a general sort of way just general way you compete like what's your preferred rule set? Is it ibgf sub only or what, what's your thinking um <laughs> my favorite rule set to compete under is probably the ibgf uh Generally, I just try to think about like just trying to submit people. That's you know, I I think that's a to be honest. Like the more and more I study different rules and try and compete in different organizations, it's like if you try submit people, a byproduct of that will generally be to score a point, assuming that you're doing it in a kind of relatively you know appropriate way. Like you're not just jumping on every single submission and whatnot. Uh, but I really like I, I really like the IBJJF. Um, rule set in terms of the kind of strategies for studying the rules i think that's an interesting game on its own like let alone the the kind of techniques that you need to be able to do just understanding like how do you actually play the rule set with the timer and the different scores and advantages and things and how like you know when you look at the highest level matches they're always won by small margins and and the and the fights leading up to that are always won by certain margins in certain ways well not always but generally like the, mm. the most successful athletes have uh you know, recurring uh, strategies throughout tournaments. I think I think that's really interesting, just in my own mind, and um, mm. like understanding how do you work the how do you work the clock most effectively? How do you uh, when do you switch switch up your game? When do you turn up you know your intensity and whatnot? Um, but yeah, I my preferred rule set is JJF. Uh, but as far as how I deal with the f- rules for whatever tournament <laughs> competing, I think to try to submit people is the, the, trying to secure a good position and submit them is is the optimal solution yeah that is a pretty good way because like you won't get bogged down in all the bullshit like the only time you should really be be stressing is if like if you're allowed to slam or allowed to slap people like say if it's combat jiu-jitsu or fight to win or something that's the only time you should be stressed about the rules so like 
maybe I shouldn't jump close Garrett because he's slam me on my head, or maybe I shouldn't pull yeah. Garrett because he's allowed to slap me. Yeah, it's, yeah, those type of considerations are generally good to make. You don't only get slammed, you get a nice concussion, and that's no good for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, sure, we, we've all been concussed every once in a while. You know, it, it, it builds character. <laughs> I got slammed out of a triangle once in a tournament. I just kind of forgot that your man could do, it was like, a, I don't know what it was. It was like one of those like, kind of shows on a stage and find some MMA fighter and he's, he's quite big and I shot up the triangle on him. But it was towards the end of the fight and I was like, oh, I need to, I need to it was so bad. It's like, oh, I need to spend job of trying at the end of the fight i was like yes i have it locked in and then your man just stands up and picks me up puts me over his head and just slams me back down and uh yeah it's just it's like i got such a concussion from afterwards and i was like <laughs> i was like oh what have i what have i done to myself but, uh, yeah. uh, well man we've all seen the video of that guy uh, like the high rollers saying your man like tiny fellas on his arm your man lifts him up like uh like he's raising something to the air shoves yeah. him like he just slingshots him off his arm. He just lands in his head, gets knocked out. I'm like, oh, fuck. He probably should let go sooner. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Awesome, man. Uh, so, Sam, like, uh, this is a new question I added there recently. What would you say is like your most proudest achievement in competition, or your most proudest like accolade you've won? Like, what's your what's your sort what's your uh, biggest achievement in your opinion, or one you're most proud most proud of? Um, I think probably the. Uh, win that I'm most proud of is I got bronze at the Pan Ams, the last Pan Ams that were on, uh, as a brown belt. So, and that was just, it was just like hard to do and it required, like, I felt like to, um, even though I didn't win, to get that far was, it took a lot of adding, adding a lot of new stuff to my competitive repertoire. And um, so I was happy to see that, you know, expressed on the mats. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, and, and like, just the general, like the whole, I felt like a lot of the kind of um, situations in my life that would facilitate training and competing started to come together quite well. And um, yeah, so then, uh, and then, you know, that medal was, was I was like, ah, man, I won that tournament, but you know, fast, but like that, that medal was a good uh, representation of, of all of those pieces coming together. So I think that's the thing I'm most proud of. Mm. No, so I get you, man. No, I get you, man. That's a good, good answer. Uh, so, man, uh, what would you say is like? I, I know certain people like uh, it's up in the air. Like, I know some people don't go, like, don't go to seminars and stuff. What's the best seminar you've attended? And like, uh, who was teaching it and what was taught it? Like, mm, I've been to a lot of seminars. Um, hmm, the best seminar I've attended. Um, I went, so, uh, years and years ago when I was blue belt, uh, Salo Hibero came over to Ireland and, uh, I really enjoyed the seminar he gave. Well, he did a speech for like 40 minutes, but apart from that, technically, oh man, like genuinely at the end, like we just stand there for like 40 minutes when he just talked about just life. Um, but it, it was all right, but the seminar was actually quite good. Cause what he did was he just uh, did a compilation of techniques that, uh, were be simple that were so like you know each technique would be like a tiny little detail but there was tons of them and uh that was that was really really useful i thought that was probably you know looking back on the seminars that that kind of stands out as like the, the kind of you know the accumulation of all those like just tiny like just such small clever details like one of the things was like when you got to pass someone's guard if you hold the ends of their ankles um sorry what was it if you hold their feet before you hold their uh 
pants, they have to reach up to grab your sleeves because your hands are far away. So as they reach to grab their sleeves, you can grab their pants, like such small things like that. Uh, another one's like escaping an arm bar from clothes guard by turning your thumb up instead of trying to pull your arm free. Like, yeah, like, like going like this instead of trying to pull your arm free. Just like loads of like tiny details he picked up from years and years of training that I thought was really good. Um, mm. But I would say, yeah, I'd say like, to be honest, that was probably one of the, one of the best uh, formats. And I, I think a lot of time in IT seminars, I try to do uh, stuff like that. Like lots of small techniques that I find are just like useful and just picked up over time. Because you never, like, it doesn't matter if you don't remember most of them. It's like if you get one that's really good and that can change your whole jiu-jitsu game forever, like, yeah. No, let's see. Like that's one thing I've tried to glean from. Like I've gone to a bunch of them, and I still use at least one thing I've learned from each and every one of them. Like you know, uh, smash pass from Fion and Delahiva sweep from this one other guy, Christian Woodman. See, look him up. He has some great Delahiva shit, and some fucking this turtle escape to half guard from Lucas Lechi. Like that's a really good one. Like he has your turtle, just flare the underhook, pull into half guard, and sweep away. Because. Yeah. Man, his fucking knee torque half guard is fucking decent. Like, goddamn, it's really good. Yeah, he's a very impressive competitor, and he's been at it for a long time now at this stage, and he's still at it. Like, how how old is he? How old is that man? I don't know. He must be in his mid-30s, I think, because he's been competing in, in, like, the worlds of black belt since, I don't know, 2006 or seven, maybe? Maybe even longer. I don't know. Uh, see, I don't want to say anything mean, but, like, he has the face of a 50-year-old. <laughs> That's just from playing half card, you know. And you, and man, if you've ever heard like the stereotypical Brazilian accent, he encapsulates it. Oh, guys, you're going to go into the half guage. I'm not even joking. He'd say he'd say guage. Guys, you transition to coyote guage and get the knee torch. Knee torch. I'm like, what the fuck does he mean, torch? Torque, he yeah. means. <laughs> I'm not being mean. That's actually how he was. Ask anyone who's met him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've heard, I've heard him before. Oh, so Sam, this is a bit of a contentious question. Is there anything in the jiu-jitsu community or just uh, fighting or MMA or anything like that that you don't like and you've, it, you could even be something you hate or it just annoys you at nauseum? Like what's something, a trend you see that annoys the shit out of you? I just don't like the Nogi people. I think they're all a bunch of just terrible... Nah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't know. But what I, I what I like I like a lot the kind of uh, humility and respect that a lot of athletes uh, express, uh, especially the people who train in the gi, generally speaking. And uh, I don't know, I, I feel like the kind of the antithesis of that, or like the kind of WWE style uh, <laughs> falling out and just doing it. Yeah, and uh, well, I suppose it's, it's entertainment. It's entertainment. And I, I think the, um, the kind of respectful humility that many athletes express is an important value that we should maintain within the jiu-jitsu ecosphere, kind of. Mm. Now, see, one thing that really annoys me is, like, all the fake beefs that people make up, like, all the so, like, even you have just no-name white and blue belts on Instagram trying to create beef with each other, and then, oh, say, like, there was one guy I know. It was like, oh, it was a white belt and he's a bit of a jackass from what people were telling me, like I found out afterwards. And he was, he left his gym to another gym and the way he was posting about it, it was like he was comparing himself to the Meow Brothers when they were leaving their gym. I'm like, dude, come on. You're a white belt and you're just moving gym. Shut up, bro. (laughs) Ah, well, I don't know. I suppose, 
it could be entertaining at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's entertaining. I just think that's pretty sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like these two legends in the sport that move Jim. Yeah, this this situation and scenario is the exact same. <laughs> I'll have to that for the next time I try uh, I try doing something on social media, make a good comparison between me and uh, some previous legend. <laughs> oh, guys. Do you know the way like your knees are all constantly in agony and whenever you move, your knees make weird noises? Yeah, I'm just like the Meow Brothers. My knees make those noises too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those guys are fucking weird, man. Do you see like when they're getting surgery, one of the doctors is messing with his leg doing like a range of motion test and he's like, you could hear all the pop pops and cracks and cracks when he's just moving his leg normally. I'm like, how is that guy even able to walk? He's like crippled. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise me. They train quite a lot and... uh yeah, yeah, no, I was, I've seen them training for like um, I remember in America somewhere. I think it was after the Pan Am something. It's like the day after they fought, and uh, we were in this gym in California. I went to this gym in California just like to kind of drill and just roll around a bit. And they were there just after having fought like the day before or something, and they were training hard. Like, and I was just like, wow, impressive, impressive amount of dedication. They're insane, man. Like I heard this one story. It was at like the Abu Dhabi pro thing one time. One of my, uh, I know a guy who was fighting there, and he's he says to says to a few of us, "Oh yeah, I saw Paolo Miao there. He was like hobbling and like fucking. He was like an old man walking around there. But the second he stepped on the mat, he just like he was able to act normal for ten minutes, like he wasn't in constant agony. I'm like, yeah. respect, bro, being able to put it put it away for ten minutes." <laughs> Uh, I suppose to kind of just uh, condition your body to only be able to do jiu-jitsu and then the other things like walking and whatnot are yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, who, who needs to walk man just butt scoot it's grand who cares yeah <laughs> uh, so us uh, so sam like what's your thinking about like um say you're running a class right like w- how do you handle warm-ups do you like do a bunch of yoga or do you run around in circles at nauseam or what what do you guys do um it depends i so like when the like when companies used to be open when companies had offices back in the day um i would uh, i teach classes in the companies and um i'd always do yoga warm-up because i knew people would come off their chair so like we do like just like simple kind of yoga flow for like 10 or 15 minutes kind of get warm from that uh but if i'm teaching a class for people that are experienced sometimes i'll get them to roll at the start just like lightly or just go straight into technique i don't really like doing um like those hip escapes or rolls down the mat or whatever. I think they're just they're good for like people that are straight beginners that need to actually mm. figure out how to move their body or at least you know recognize maybe the limits of their range of motion to start for things they can work on. But um, yeah, I like just getting straight into it. Just just either drill or flow roll uh, or do a bit of yoga if you if if it's mm. uh, if it's called for. Uh, see, like at some point you've done enough forward rolls and enough fucking shrimps, like. Yeah, I, I I put this up on uh, Instagram one time. I was like, you know, because there was like a consensus. People were saying, oh, the shrimp is pretty useless because like, like even for guard retention, it's not especially great. Like I remember I was rolling with someone who was very good and I tried to shrimp when they were passing my guard. They just passed my guard even harder. I'm like, yeah, dude, don't fucking shrimp. Just throw in yeah. lassos and shit. Like don't fucking shrimp. It's bad. It's not good. But yeah, like, well, I feel like people can take responsibility for their own warm-ups. And, um, yeah. You know, yeah. just turn up a little bit early and do whatever you want. If, if there's any specific, you know, forward rolls or trims that you want to do in your own time, go over it. And then, yeah, and back. like it, it, the excuses out here, like, sorry, the reasons, not, not excuses, it's like, uh, of why the, the, the 
the shrimp, sorry, the shrimp isn't isn't useless. Like, oh, dude, uh, it'll help you work your mount escape. I'm like, dude, you're doing this by yourself with no resistance. If you want to get better mount escape, start rounds in bottom mount. Like, how does doing it to the air help you at all, really, in, in all reality? Like, I know it's a useful escape, but start rolls in mount then. That, that's my thinking. Yeah, bit of a bit of shadow rolling on your own. <laughs> awesome, man. Oh, so, so Sam, like, uh, in your personal pr- opinion, like, what you say is like the first thing you should teach someone. Say it's a brand new, brand new group of beginners, first day. What's the first thing you think they should be taught? Uh, on their very first day. Well, usually, if if it's someone on the very first day, I try to give them a broad overview of like of jujitsu, like an introduction to what's the actual benefit of doing jujitsu. So usually if I'm teaching class, like the first thing I'll show is uh, mount escape or get people to roll, like to get people to actually just mount each other and then just do resistance training just so they can realize how hard it is to, uh, to actually push someone off you and how tiring it is as well. Um, that's always the first thing I do. If somebody's a brand new beginner, if they're a brand new, if the class are brand new beginners, first thing is just get them to mount each other uh, after they're warm, obviously, and then put a timer on for a minute and say, go, swap over, to the bottom, go, and then... Um, when they're all sitting around like just absolutely like puffing and puffing so much being like notice how much how tiring that is and how hard that is to do and then just show them like bridge and roll and, like look at how simple this is to do you know <laughs> something that's like that kind of gives you the the um uh, a bit of perspective for what the technique what the purpose of the technique is i find that that's that's very important to start with uh, and then it's like being stuck on a boss in a video game and then like your friend comes in oh yeah i know how to beat that guy there's this one trick and they beat him in one minute like man for f- what the fuck yeah. bro i think that's that's like the most i think that's well, not the most but that's a very important thing for people to recognize like that's the power of jiu-jitsu that's the power of the technique because you're able to um you know just essentially use technique over strength for, even if you're way smaller than the person it's like to do but generally for like uh, beginners i think the best thing to learn is how to defend yourself properly how to not get submitted because you spend most of your time uh, just getting crushed so yeah. <laughs> uh man like uh, my, uh, one thing that always perplexes me is they, they teach people like wrestling straight away in the jiu-jitsu classes when they're starting off I'm like that's a terrible idea have you seen fucking new people wrestle they're fucking they're crazy like i seen like there was i seen this one like i used to help teach the beginners at, at, at my gym and like um we just had them like fight for like double underhooks and these fucking beginner guys they you'd swear is the fucking adcc final because they were like they were like fucking properly like shoving each other yeah. mushing each other in the face like slapping collar ties i'm like dude you've been training a week calm the fuck down it's not a big deal and then like they're trying to pummel and they're doing the pummel like right, way too fast and you know with the leg switch your man knees this guy in, the, in his knee because he's doing it too fast and bust your man's kneecap i'm like you people are insane fucking chillax <laughs> yeah well i think it's useful to show people like takedowns for the sake of of like recognizing what takedown is it's just i think it takes a little while to actually train someone to be able to take another person down because you do need to have a bit of awareness of how to actually stand without you know, crossing your feet over things like that, like just simple things that for for like basic uh, either judo wrestling type takedowns. Um, so yeah, mm. uh, I'm not against it. I just think they should leave it for a bit and you know just tell people to fucking calm down because you know how new people are. They're they're fucking insane and they're like they never let go of the grips even if it's from bottom side control and they're just holding the grips. I'm like, this really isn't a good idea at the moment, man. <laughs> I've been there myself. Ah, uh, you know, 
Well, to be fair, <laughs> uh, I can't say much. Like, I still remember the day uh, I was rolling with a black belt and I, I was a white belt. And, like, uh, what's it called? Your man is mushing me and I done, like, the bear hug from Bob's Side Control. And he just, like, no, dude, d- don't do that. That's bad. You're pulling, you're pulling me onto you. Don't do it. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know you like, what? You shouldn't pull someone's weight onto you when they're on top of you? Ah! Who'd have thunk? <laughs> uh, so Sam, like, what would you say is like your preferred coaching style? Like, say you're teaching a class, what would you put more emphasis on? Would you put it on drilling, free rolling, or positional sparring? Like, what's your sort of thing you put more, more the most effort into on any typical day? Uh, it depends on the level of the people that I'm teaching. But if they're in any way experienced, my favorite thing to do is positional sparring and get people to ask questions. That's my absolute favorite way of of teaching because it's uh very engaging and it's also um it's empirical as well you know it's like you have to you have to actually have done you know, sorry you have to have actually been in a situation where the technique didn't work to be able to have the right question for you specifically mm. and yeah in a class if there's a class full of people and everyone has different questions even if not everyone wants to ask their question maybe somebody else will ask the same question that they have and then you can have a good back and forth to people that's my favorite way to teach so often uh, times if i have a group of people who are experienced and especially if they're mixed levels experience because this is good because then there's something for everyone i like to try do classes where we have a theme that we're going to work on and then uh, have a certain drills w- within that theme so um say if we're, if we're working on something like guard retention we might have different drills for people for you know when you're uh, if you're on top, maybe you can only use one hand for passing with, just to add different kind of levels of resistance in to allow people to work specific techniques, then ask questions and then add in more drills. So it's a combination of rolling and questions and answers, rolling questions and answers. So we're kind of building it together. That's my absolute favorite way to teach. I think that's so much fun. Um, but then if it's like, if it's beginners, usually uh, I'd have a set curriculum of, of um, techniques and a class structure of like, you know, specific uh, rolling drills technique another specific rolling drill technique and then more specific training and then a certain amount of like kind of harder specific training at the end to finish mm. uh, that's i think it's best and then obviously if it's a if it's a class where we can have uh normal rounds at the end add those in as well so mm. it depends like it obviously depends on how long the classes how experienced people are but my favorite way to teach is uh, positional training with questions and answers mm. now dude i really love when people ask questions because like uh shows that they're being proactive about improving their jiu-jitsu like example say you're doing back control and you can't for the life you keep keeps keeps staying someone's back yeah say say your seatbelt is just shit or your fucking hooks aren't good and they just keep clearing the hooks and getting out you know like well how do i keep the hooks on or how do i keep the seatbelt tighter exactly. or like, and sometimes they might ask like if it's in a group of people they might ask a question that other people didn't realize they needed to know but then you tell them and people are like oh i'm glad that that question was asked you know yeah. um you know, yeah, like just, pe- people still think, you know, it's it's the age old thing. Oh, if I ask a question, people think I'm stupid. I'm like, no, shows shows you want to learn, which means you're smart. Yeah, I've I've I always have questions. I'm always trying to figure new stuff out. It's the best it's the best way to learn. And also, you'd be surprised at how much stuff other people know that they just don't share. Yeah. Um, you know, because you 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 take like I find this as well for myself. Even uh, is that I could try I could make the very best effort to to share everything that I have on a certain technique but 
I'm only limited in my ability to recognize what I know based on what comes into my mind. But when somebody asks a question externally and then I go, oh, wait a second, I do this as well. That's you know very helpful. And then I find for me as well, I love asking people like, what's the, the, you know, what's the number one detail that you think is relevant from this position or with this technique from a range of different people? Because then they can give you just, you know, answers that you may never have even thought of or even thought to, or they might lead you into a question where you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Um, I find that that's really, really helpful. I, I, like, I, I love asking people little questions like that. And it's, all, and it, you know, it's like, it can just be one question. It takes 30 seconds to answer, but it might, add, you know, it might be a 30 second answer that could change the rest of your game for your life, you know? I see man uh I have a big problem where I go I go into fucking tangents way too much like especially if it's something if it's something I really like like if you ask me at all about fucking head and arm chokes you better expect a huge tirade about anacondas darces arm and guillotines improving neckties once you get me going I'm never going to shut up I'm like yeah. oh yeah you can use this grip for the darce you can transition to this way if you have to you have to drop on this hip not this hip this hip is fucking useless you have to drop on this hip I never Never shut up about it <laughs> it's yeah cool. well yeah that's that that's like a um i'm like that as well just just general just you start on one thing and then a million other little threads go off and you start doing it but it's a skill to hone that in as well that's i think that's a <laughs> you know the discipline of coaching is you have to actually hone that in and just synthesize the kind of the main points and Mm. yeah it's a it's a, sometimes you know i suffer from shiny object syndrome it's like oh yeah we're doing this collar and sleeve but dude, if you just pull them down, you get a, co- a fucking loop choke from here. Grand out, yeah. no bother. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know how it is. But man, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, that reminds me. Uh, Sam, do you have any uh, like jokey like nicknames for submissions in the gym? Like uh, like for, for me, the Anaconda choke, we, we just call it the Andrew Conda. Because, you know, it's like I, I love doing it. It's like it was my go-to for ages. We'd start rolls in De La Hiva guards and I'd somehow fuck get someone into turtle the Anaconda choke. And I'm like... Dude, we're doing Delhiva. Fucking stop doing that. <laughs> Do you have any anything like that? There's a there's a guy in the gym called Shane Fishman who does this. Um, it's like it's like a lockdown with the leg passed across the body. It's it's an it's it's uh, it's hard to explain. You should just if you just look up like fishnet. We call it we call it fishnet. And Shane Fishman. Um, and also when you're stuck in it, you're stuck in it, and it's really hard to get out. Uh, that's probably my favorite uh, nickname for te- well it's not a nickname it is the name of the technique and if anyone says anything different tell them that's not true it's called a fish uh, uh, the, the weirdest fucking thing I saw there recently I, I had no clue this even existed and someone tried to do it to me I'm like this stuff, this is weird it's the barbed wire did you ever see the barbed wire choke no. it's literally just like a darce but you don't have your arms locked up. You just like grab their head. You grab their arm, put it over their heads, and like put all your weight onto their tricep, hoping to choke them like that. I'm like, this isn't yeah. this isn't choking me at all. <laughs> well, then again, they're making a mistake. They're trying to darse me, and I love darses, so I'm like, mm, nah. <laughs> uh, dude, don't you just hate when people have the gall to try and get you with a move you like? I'm like, motherfuckers, how dare they? How dare they? <laughs> Uh, but then if they do, it's older. Oh man, there's this older guy in our gym. He's like he's like a fucking MMA coach from from uh, America. He's been fucking training for donkey years. He knows every trick in the book. If you try to do something to him, he'll have a fucking answer. He fucking darsed me with this like it came on in like a second. Like I usually I can resist him, but he he just got got in super quick, super tight. I'm like, 
yeah shit i'm fucking gonna die if i keep it if i stay in here i'm like god fucking damn it he darsed me uh, <laughs> you know gotta get back. i gotta get him back <laughs> oh well one of these one of the one of these days one of these fucking days i will <laughs> I'll, I'll send it to him <laughs> Uh, so Sam, like, do you have any uh, advice for like uh, future like uh, people who want to like get into coaching and stuff, like certain pitfalls or like um, mistakes you made to for them to avoid, so like they can like uh, sort of be be better coaches like sooner than the you know you know what I mean? Avoid any mistakes. Um, less is more. The less words that you can explain the technique, and the better. That's the number one thing that I think is is uh, is like optimal if you if if you can't explain it in in you know two minutes you don't know well enough that's very very mm. key and also i can explain in two hours though yeah <laughs> this thing also learning how to um uh, stimulate people or like kind of cue them to do the move without having to explain the, the move to them that's also very uh a skill like uh, an example of that might be say you want to um I don't know. You want to teach someone how to do a loop choke correctly. And there's, if you think about like a loop choke, there's like thousands and thousands of little details that you could have for doing a loop choke most efficiently, but you're able to distill it into when you do the loop choke, you're trying to put your, uh, put the, uh, your armpit onto the, the curved part of the back of their head. And you're trying to turn your wrist like a, a motorcycle kind of, or like a rev on a motorcycle, you know, and you can just uh, just say that to someone, and then you can let them do it. At the same time, they're going to have to do a, a number of other things, like like squeeze their core properly, be able to keep their elbow down, keep their head over the top, just to do those movements, you know, properly, uh, without having to explain that to them. So those kind of being able to cue people so that they can do the techniques properly without having to explain a lot of details is uh, very important. I think that's one of the most useful things you can do for someone who's uh, learning, because obviously hard to remember everything and being able to explain the technique in an absolute minimal amount of words with only the most important details is the key and then one other thing as well as i go to explain more and more and more trying to go trying to talk about doing things in two minutes and being able to explain the initial part of the technique the most important the entryway into doing it properly is also very important so those are my three things yeah be able to summarize it in two minutes Explain the detail. Explain the cues that force them to do the technique correctly without having to explain why or how to explain, to explain a lot of cues, and then uh, being able to give them what are the most essential parts, the gateway uh, parts of the technique that they need to have to be able to develop and go on the journey of improving over time. Those are my three tips for coaching. Nice, it's pretty good, man. Uh, so Sam, we've reached a segment of the podcast. I like to call around the specifics, just a bunch of random questions. Some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, do you want to do around the specifics? Throw them at me. Uh, oh man, what was that your first ever gi? I know some people they've gotten some weird, really weird fucking first gis. Like, what was your your one? It wasn't a an um, old purple tatami thing? Like, I got one of those off eBay. It was decent. I think it was a manto gi. It was like an old manto gi. Uh, Dara gave it to me, like Dara, my coach, he gave it to me mm. when I was 16 or something because I wanted to do, um, uh, what was I doing? I was doing like work experience for when I was in school. And um, he was like, oh yeah, the classes are on all day or whatever. Oh, and these, because I don't even do no gi up to that point. It's like, these are the gi classes. Oh, here, I'll give you a gi. So he gave me an old manto gi and uh, I wore it for, for many years. <laughs> oh, man, I, I never got any manto gis. Like I... I, I... 
whenever I was like, oh, I'll get a Manto Gi, they're, all, they're a bit pricey, so like, uh, I know, I'll stick with Tatami and Scramble. Like, that, those are, like, to be fair, when I was when I was still a white belt, I had like 20 Gi's because like my job, I used to have a job that paid very well and I could still train like three or four times a week. I'm like, fuck it, I'll buy a million Gi's. Yeah. <laughs> why not? And to be fair, okay, I, I had a really good excuse as to why I bought a million Gi's when I was still a white belt. And it was that if I quit jiu-jitsu after buying 30 geese, I'd look like a real fucking idiot. <laughs> there you go. So you got stuff well into it. And four, like uh, three and a half years later, fucking uh, still doing it. And I'm still, a, I, like, I'm a, I'm a fucking idiot for a different, re- completely different reasons. But at least it's not that. Also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam, uh, what would you say is your most embarrassing injury? Like, uh, whether it be a jiu-jitsu injury, non-jiu-jitsu injury, just the way you got injured was just so fucking stupid. Um... I have a scar on the top of my head, right? I don't know if you can see it. I have this, like, it's, a, it's a big enough scar on the top of my head. And uh, maybe you can see it, maybe you can't. I don't know. It's only a little. It's, it's like kind of here. Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, how I got this scar was uh, that myself and Marcus Thielen uh, were training one day. And we decided that we wanted to do an extra bit of rolling. Uh, so it was during a class. And we just were rolling, like, nonstop for I don't know how long it was. And uh, I was having a bit of difficulty sweeping him from the bottom, so I decided to try to do an arm drag on him, like a two-on-one arm, like a just like an arm drag from open guard. It was like two-on-one group, tried to arm drag him. And as I dragged his arm, I tried to double-leg him, and as I went to double-leg him, he put his, his head was like down, and I smashed my head into his nose, and I broke his nose, and I burst it open, and I hit him so hard that I cut my own head open. And um, the reason that I have the scar is because I never got stitches and neither of us got stitches. So we both had like pretty decent sized open wounds that were bleeding quite a bit. Uh, but we didn't go to the hospital because Marcus, uh, don't know if she says on the record, uh, had an outstanding bill from a previous visit. It was like, <laughs> and uh, I didn't have any money either. So I didn't want to have a hundred quid hospital bill to go get stitches. So we went to the pharmacy and got like Steri strips, like little butterfly uh, oh, stick yeah. on ones. And then we were just there, like, just trying to, kind of, like, oh, put it back together. And, uh, yeah, so now his nose is kind of like this with a big scar. And I yeah, you should have got a fucking weird-ass splint for his goddamn nose, man, honestly. Do you not have walking, do you not have walking clinics in Dublin or anything like that? Yeah, but they cost money and we were both, like, broke blue. It's like 30 quid to go to a walking clinic, man. I know, because I split but my fucking eyebrows open, like, twice, and that's what I did. <laughs> Uh, if only we'd known. Well, I, we wouldn't have. Had, I wouldn't have had the story then, anyways. So yeah, yeah that, that's pretty fun. <laughs> I, I probably should have just let it roll and fucking gotten the scars on on the eyebrows. Like it, it's both in the same places. They're both by headbutts. One yeah. like they're both under the eyebrows. It's, there's a small one here, and then there's a bigger one here. Both by headbutts. One from wrestling. One from like uh, <clears throat> this is a real stupid thing I did. I, I was your man is in my closed guard. And he was like up high, so I like I sit up to grab him and I pull him down. And I like go into him and I make him headbutt me there. I'm like, God fucking damn it! It's always something. <laughs> uh, you know how it is. Oh, oh so uh, Sam, uh, what's your opinion on wrist locking white belts? How fun is it on a scale of one to ten? Uh, I prefer to mount white belts and try and crush the life out of them uh, for the purpose of building ar- character. But um, I'll wrist lock them too if they try to frame. Uh, just generally, I'd, I'd wrist lock a four-stripe white belt. When somebody gets their blue belt, wrist lock them all day. Get, break it in, you know. 
five, like at least twelve per round, just so they really know that you know they need to. Dude, I was getting wristlock the whole time when I was white belt. Then the second I got my blue belt, it was knee bars that were flying. Like this one dude, <laughs> I, I'd always roll with him. We'd roll, we'd go, we'd kill each other with the rolls. But then the second I got my blue belt, he throws on a fucking knee bar. I'm like, have you just been waiting to, for me to get my blue belt so you could fucking knee bar me? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> you motherfucker. He, he hooks a purple belt. Uh, tell that to fuck it. Tell that to some of the people I I trained with, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> oh man, uh, if you could time travel to any historical period, where would you go and why? Oh, good question. Um, I don't know. Depends how much time I'd want to spend there. Average life expectancy is was probably quite low. You know, mm. let's, just, let's just say uh, you're immortal there you can't die in the past for some reason and like uh, you can come back whenever you want you're not stuck there so you could just go visit I would like to go to um, if I could travel between both kind of like Europe including England and then the America like and then uh, what is North America now just before North America became North America and just see what the difference between the different uh, cultures and societies was. I think that would be an interesting, interesting thing to do, um, you know, before the America experiment began. So you, be you, would, you wouldn't go to Ireland way back when, because we all know it's a, it was a kit back in the day. <laughs> oh, well, I, I, it pretty much was like it was, Ireland wasn't wasn't really that good way back when. I'm like, uh, no, thanks. <laughs> the weather was probably how it is now, but less uh, food. And, uh, yeah, and let less houses. You'd, you'd have, uh, yeah, you'd have. Well, it, it might be a nice, it might be a nice detox from, from modern, you know, fast-paced life. Well, dude, just go into the forest. Yeah. <laughs> just go into the forest, man. It's all the same. <laughs> uh, so, Sam, uh, lapels, yay or nay? Are you a lapel player? Um, I don't do like worm garden stuff so much. Although I do like to feed the lapel on the single leg. Um. Mm. I think that's a nice way of doing it. Uh, I think just like the whole lapel thing is just an evolution of jiu-jitsu. You got to learn to deal with it. You you could be a naysayer and you can be given out about it and saying it's not jiu-jitsu at all, but it's part of it now, and uh, we have to learn to deal with it. And there's plenty of techniques and ways of escaping those positions. It just takes time to build them up, but you know that's how it goes. People yeah, since, in that moves, you got to be able to keep up with them. Yeah, since Keenan he just released lapel slayer. It's like just it's literally an instruction on how to pass lapel guard. So there's no fucking excuse. Just shell out 200 quid and learn all those moves and stop fucking bitching. <laughs> yeah. Or don't and just let let it, let the rest of us keep sweeping and submitting you. Your choice. You go crazy. <laughs> uh, see, a new thing I'm working on there is Anubis Guard. It's just single leg X and stuff with the lapel wrapped under so you can get the fucking weird sweeps and leg lock entries just way easier. I'm like, grand out. I love this shit. <laughs> the real reason I love it is because no one else knows it, so... You got the you got the element of surprise. Yeah, any advantage you can get. Yeah, might as well. Awesome man, if you created a guard, since we were talking about weird guards, if you created a guard, no matter what the sort of grip, uh, what's the the grip configuration is, or what, however the way you are, what would you name it? Like, what would you call your hypothetical guard? Um, what would I call my hypothetical guard? I want to think of a like a good a good name, not something generic. Um, I would like to call it like um, maybe like Weevil Guard. <laughs> Weevil? 
like a vine weevil instead of like you know spider guard yeah, weevil guard something like that vine weevil guard maybe uh i actually already have a guard that i've invented it's called the dipshit guard it's literally just you grab their pants leg and you make an x on on one shin and you get knee sliced immediately because you have to be a dipshit to play this guard nice <laughs> make it instructional yeah and uh, guys you use this grip called the bastard grip because if you do this grip and dig into someone to call you a bastard you know that that's no joke that's actually something we do the bastard grip <laughs> i'm not even joking uh so man uh oh uh so sam if you could you know since like with the ibgf you're only allowed to wear white blue or black geese right yeah if you could legalize one color of the funky variety like a weird ass color to make the color gi to be legalized for ibgf what what color would it be interesting uh like um has to be neon orange for me Matt. that's my thing <laughs> yeah i would like a kind of like a like a blue like um a shade like a certain shade of blue kind of like not like kind of a light blue almost a baby blue I think like a tur- blue. like turquoise almost turquoise but not quite you know a bit more contemporary than that um like i uh, think that would be like this this bluish yeah kind of, kind of like that yeah like yeah. you'd see somebody wearing a like a blue that someone would wear when they're wearing a fine suit i think uh that would be a good gentleman's color for a gi so. and naturally you'd wear a suit and tie rash guard underneath exactly yeah little, that's, a, little a, that's another thing right. legalize rash guards in ibs jeff like what what the shit some of us want to be fashionable yeah like I was, I was doing the Irish Open like three years ago, and uh, if I was, I was wearing, a, I was wearing a nice blue gi, and I was wearing my Goku rash guard under it because you know I thought it'd give me powers and I'd be a super saiyan. I don't know, yeah. superstitious. I, I know, take any edge. I'm like, and then I was on my way out. One of my teammates like, yeah, man, you can't wear that. I'm like, okay, because I just thought they hated anime, so I threw on a regular rash guard, just a black one. He's like, dude, you can't wear that either. I'm like, what's fucking wrong with this one? He's like, you're not allowed to wear rash guards in competition. Uh-huh. Like, for fuck's sake, are you kidding me? Yeah, you just have to get one of those guys that have the rash guard on the inside, like the patterns. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think they still have one of those. Like I had a few, I had a few of them, but I sold a bunch of my geese there because I had too many. Geese. I had too much geese and not enough money, so I flung a few of them. <laughs> nice. uh, so, uh, so Sam, oh, so, so it's the the baby, uh, the turquoise blue you take, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the answer. Oh man, I actually dye a bunch of my geese there. I, I'm big into dyeing my geese. Like I used to do tie dye. Like I'll yeah. send you a few pictures later. But I don't do tie dye anymore. I just pick one solitary color and stick with that. Like I'm making a Goku geese soon. Like it'll be orange. And since I'm still a blue belt, wear it with the blue. So grand out. Where the fucking nice. everyone think I'm actually good at jujitsu or something because I'm channeling Goku or something. But like uh yeah, the Dragon Ball. Do you ever watch this a competitor called Roberto Satoshi? No. Ah, oh, you'd uh, you love look up Roberto Satoshi. He's got like dye blonde spiky hair, and he'd do the like Goku thing at the start of the fight. Yeah, uh, yeah, look look him up. You, you'd love that. Mm. Oh man, but uh, I was actually gonna like you can see I have a mohawk, right? Like uh, everyone everyone knows this. Like uh, uh, I have a mohawk again because I got rid of it for a bit. Uh, I, did you ever see the movie Taxi Driver? Right. Yeah, yeah, Robert De Niro. Yeah. You talking at me? Uh, you talking at me? Yeah. Uh, I actually made a taxi driver gi with a green top. I got all the patches put on it, all the the army patches on it, and I got a blue pants, and I just wear that with the mohawk. I'm like, you tapping at me? You tapping at me? <laughs> I can't help it. 
I, I got to make a sweep or a pass and call it the taxi driver pass or something like that. <laughs> I'll figure something out. <laughs> uh, so then, like, uh, what are you currently working on your game at the moment? Like, I know you'll be doing the trial soon, but like, I know you might not want to, to spoil the surprise for everyone because you, so you can just go kill everyone. But like, in a broad sense, like, what are you working on in, in general at the moment? Uh, I think I'm working on my passing a lot more at the moment. I'm trying to just put together uh, a more, I don't know, what would be the term? Solid isn't quite the, isn't quite the word. Uh, just a, like a more, like a passing game that I, is more specific for uh, me and my body type, you know? Like uh, figuring out strategies that are effective against multiple different types of guards mm. that are kind of like go tos. That's that's a lot of what I'm thinking about at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to combine that with like some takedowns and sweeps and sweeps in the pass and the strategies of head pressure properly and, pay, and put on a pace and some things like that. That's definitely my my current uh, fixation. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of body types, like how would you describe your body type? Like, would you say stocky, lanky? gangly or how would you describe yourself in that regard uh, extremely normal no and <laughs> um, i'm uh, relatively flexible uh, not very strong not very fast uh, kind of like um, athletic lazy if we can if we can use that term mm. <laughs> oh man like uh would you say you're flexible enough to do any of the rubber guard shit like what, what's your thinking on that uh, stuff ah uh, yeah like i can i can do the rubber guard <laughs> uh, but, like uh, I, I used to do rubber guard a bit just to annoy people and like because I, I I'm I'm pretty flexible like you would like I'm a bit like husky and shit you wouldn't think I'm flexible like I actually put someone into rubber guard someone who was good and I put them into it for a second and then they, they get out of it because I'm shit at rubber guard but I can, I can do it and he's like man I didn't fucking know you could do rubber guard <laughs> that happened pretty recently but uh, the reason I stopped doing it. And uh, someone said to me when I tried to do it to him, I was like, man, no one ever won ADCC with rubber guard. Not yet, anyways. Well, the, okay, there was one person, I think Vinny Magalias won Vinny it. Vinny Magalias, yeah. But did he win with rubber guard? Uh, or did he win because um, he's a fucking weirdo, because he has weird legs and shit? I'm trying to think, because there are many kind of major fetters who played rubber Yeah, not so much. Not yet, anyways, sure, we'll see. Mm. Yeah, you know, we will see. And uh, Sam, last question. In your opinion, what do you think is the most annoying guard to pass? Like, what's your least favorite guard for someone to play on you? Um, I, someone who has like very strong, uh, actually, no, do you know what the most annoying type of guard to pass is? Someone with a very good half guard that kind of just absorb and eat pressure. That's the most annoying thing because you get close because you think you're half guard going to pass and you think you can crush them but they can just take the pressure, they can take cross-face, they're good at moving their hips, they're good at off-balancing you. That is by far the most frustrating thing. That keeps me up at night, you know? It's like mm. getting tied up in the thousand foot, at least, at least you're not thinking you're going to get out, or at least not thinking you're about to win or about to pass. But when you have someone who, you know, every time you get an inch away from passing, they can just tilt their hips or they can move you or they can get rid of the cross-face from half-guard. It is the most frustrating. Oh, man. Oh, man, see... My my one is completely different. It's fucking deep De La Hiva. When someone gets that fucking De La Hiva hook onto your other hip and they're playing oh, yeah. that fucking weird sit-up thing and they're trying to off-balance you for Barambolus, man, that, that gives me anxiety attacks. I'm like, man, I fucking hate deep De La Hiva. If deep De La yeah. Hiva was a person, I'd fucking kill it. Yeah, it'll feel like it'll break your knees. 
Yeah, it's fucked up. Uh, so, guys, uh, so Sam, that was the last question of the podcast, and we're going to head off there. But do you have anything to say before we shoot off for all the fine oh, listener? Yeah. <laughs> listener. Yeah. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. Uh, check me out on Instagram. My Instagram name is Sam underscore Mac underscore Nally. Uh, check out. It'll, it'll be in the description anyway, guys. So, like, you can just yeah. click the link. It'll be in Check that out. Follow me. Um, big meal. <laughs> help me help me continue to grow social media presence so that I can uh, keep up with the competitive endeavors and whatnot. So yeah, thanks. thanks thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed.